Welcome to the Egg Corn Podcast, where we make nonsense make sense. I'm Sammy Eastwood. I'm Raymond Ahmed. Today we're talking about generative AI. It is bullshit. It will steal your job. You should be scared. <laughs> A truer statement has never been said, Raymond. Um, Okay, so obviously this has been in the news a lot, this whole thing with generative AI. We've got the uh, text-to-image generators, we've got the um, the text generators, and it's got a lot of people in the creative arts pretty upset and pretty nervous, thinking that it's going to steal their jobs. Um, you know, I've, I've heard that apparently a lot of uh, editors and, like, agents are actually shutting their doors to short stories because they can't... Um, they can't vet whether or not they've been written by an AI. Um, there's, you know, mediums up in arms. You've got uh, writing competitions that are now saying like, you know, we we don't know if we can accept work anymore because we don't know if it's made by an AI. We even had a local art competition that was won by an AI and, um, you know, an, a, an AI art piece. And once they found out it had been done by an AI, they actually took the medal back, but, they are still very good at faking and pretending to be humans. So, you know, what? what's the argument here? For it? I don't think there's an argument for it. People are going to use it to cheat in school and college. Companies are going to use it to automate, like, copywriting, journalism, school books and stuff. I mean, it's just going to happen. It's cheaper, right? Like, it, why would you pay someone, like, 20 bucks an hour for eight hours when you could just type a prompt in the chat GPT? And it gives it to you in like 10 minutes. Well, probably less than that. It takes literally seconds, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like from a, from a business point of view and outsourcing, it is, it is great in that sense because it's kind of like outsourcing to another country to do your call centers. Like, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it takes away that thing for you and it's a lot cheaper. So of course a business is going to do it, but then it's like, but then you're taking away jobs from people who can do them and like you've there's two arguments there isn't there because like people said that during the industrial revolution they were like you know all these people are going to be put out of work but actually in terms of productivity and progress in society it actually made a huge difference and so having this kind of ai this kind of powerful generative ai would actually free up a lot of time for people being much more productive and having a lot less overheads but at the same time it's like do we need to outsource art isn't the whole point of art to be like transcendent like the whole point of art and literature is to be transcendent and for humans to actually like explore what it means to be human so if you're outsourcing that to an ai it's kind of like what almost what's the point of being alive well there's two things there right there's like the artistic side where you really can't outsource that because an ai will never be able to be original or creative but um, from the academic professional side i mean if, you, if Amazon has a description for a water bottle, whether that's made by an AI or a human person, like, does it really matter? It's a water bottle and you're describing it. Mm. Nobody, like, wants to grow up writing descriptions about water bottles, let's be honest. But the thing is, I think that's being really simplistic about it because, like, a whole copywriter's job isn't just writing a description about a water bottle. And it's it's one of those things because I mean I I'm trying to be a freelance writer and like this actually does really petrify me because I'm like well does that mean I've only got five to ten good years of actually being able to be a freelancer before my job is completely done away with, and there's certain things that you know it probably can't be done by an AI right now like you know part of my service includes like copy editing or like script feedback or writing a screenplay and like are those things that can be replaced or not like I don't I don't know if they can so you know maybe people can segue but. 
Those I don't think can, because those are subjective, right? Like artistic stuff, that's subjective. A, this, a, a book written today, wrote, like if you wrote that same book 500 years ago, people would say it's shit. But because it's written with today's sensibilities, people like enjoy it, you know? So like it, things, those things are always evolving. And, and the way the generative AIs work is they use the data from history. So if the art is evolving and the AI is using history, it can't evolve, you know? It can only use what's been done before. So it can't create anything new. So I think from an artistic point of view, it won't be as scary, but it, it will make things maybe a bit more formulaic, like you know, like a Marvel movies mm. and stuff. Th- those you could probably write with an AI. Well, I mean, they're already super formulaic, so. I mean that kind of stuff, like those kind yeah. of things, you can. But like a new artistic movie, like you saw the the movie I liked a lot last year, Banshee of Inisherin. You couldn't write that with an AI, even yeah. if you wanted to. It's just too unique and different. There's no way that could be written. That that is very true. Yeah, I agree with that. So, okay, let me let me pose a question to you because obviously we're talking about potentially using generative AI in the field of academics, right? Where with a kid who's been tasked with writing an essay about somebody, that's obviously not a good thing at all because it's like outsourcing homework and it's, yeah, it's stopping a kid from actually doing their learning at home and sort of thing. So like, that's bad, obviously. But say you had a researcher who is writing a paper and it's literally just the AI formatting the paper, writing the paper for them, but the, all the results are the person, are the researchers, all their, it's all of their findings. It's just the AI writing the actual paper for them and they're not getting graded on it. It's still all their research. Is that a gray area or is that like, okay? I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Because that's not so bad. A researcher is not a literature writer, and you would never pay like a writer to write a research paper. Your scientist or whoever did the research would do that anyway. So if they're just using that to like format it easier, make sure their grammar's on point, reduce the workload so they can focus more on research. Like let's say somebody's doing cancer research, and they're spending like ten hours writing mm-hmm. a research paper. This reduces that ten hours to two. They can spend more time on cancer research. You know that that's not a bad thing. It's not like they were gonna pay someone to to write that anyway, because like, if they paid me to write a cancer paper, I don't know what the fuck cancer's about. I don't know the difference. I couldn't write that. <laughs> like, that's a very specialized field, yeah, you know? Hopefully you wouldn't be writing about that, though, if you knew nothing about it. But that's what. But sometimes that's what copywriting stuff is, right? Like, I mean, you've there's people have gotten jobs where they write about, like, this generator. Like, you know our friend Winnie, she wrote about a generator. She didn't know shit about generator. You could yeah. outsource that. I mean, I mean, yeah. That that is true because um I mean I a lot of the stuff I've written I literally knew nothing about before I started writing about it like I've written so many EV articles and before I started those I had no idea about EV like I'll have my hand up and say I know literally nothing about cars but I was able to research that quite easily so I think you can write stuff about you can be a layman. You were writing you were writing an op-ed though right you were writing something opinionated with a point of view. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't writing any sort of like, you know, research based. Well, it was research based, but yeah, it was like a opinion You used research. You some... used research to form an opinion. I don't think AI would ever be able to form an opinion based on research you provided. Unless it's like specific. Oh, I give you a math problem, give me the answer to that math problem. But if it's like where do you think the world will be if cars like well, you know, cars uh, become automatic, do you think productivity will go down? That those kind of questions, I don't think it has the data to give a proper response because those are just so like mm. different and you it doesn't have any data or history to to draw from 
So what is your opinion, obviously kind of going off the back of that about it being a tool to make people's lives easier. What do you think about the idea that AI or generative AI is used to democratize creativity? Fuck that. Fuck that so much. (laughs) It's one thing in like the professional field and the academic field, right? Like you want to write a school textbook about nutrition, you can make it right there, then you can go and edit it and it reduces the work. That's fine. But like creativity, you can't make it right. A screenplay, a book, a novel, a piece of music. That's if you're not creative, you're just not creative. Find a different field. You know, why are you trying to do something you can't? You can't democratize creativity. It's like democratizing intelligence or like democratizing logic. There's tools. You can use those tools, but it's not going to give you creativity, you know? Okay, but you say that, you know, you say how you can't democratize intelligence, but you can democratize knowledge because before people had to go to educational institutions to gain knowledge and they had to spend money or they had to spend time or like if, you know, if if somebody was working in a mine or something, they couldn't, they couldn't have access to knowledge the same way that, you know, a, a a diplomat could or somebody who was in the upper classes however now we've all got an iphone we have access to all the knowledge we could ever want we have access to courses free courses cheap courses we've got access to knowledge so in a way that has democratized knowledge and in a way a little bit intelligence so is it the same is it not the same it's not the same knowledge is different than creativity knowledge is just a foundation right that's me knowing a bunch of facts knowing a bunch of history knowing a bunch of statistics x y and z Intelligence is interpreting Mm. those facts, statistics to form an opinion that's unique to yourself. Creativity is using those facts or statistics, that data to create or invent something new. You can't democratize that, you know, like you either can do that or you can't do that. You either can invent something new or you can't. And like a generative AI, it's not going to democratize creativity. It's just going to take, again, existing data, reformat it, maybe rearrange it like a puzzle and regurgitate it in in not a different way, just like a different look. That's not creative. You're not making it or inventing something new. You're just taking. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And like, <laughs> I am sort of playing devil's avocado here, but um, basically, like, I do agree with that. Um, and I also agree with the fact that when you are saying you're democratizing knowledge, you, if anybody has access to the same information, then reasonably, like, depending on intelligence, like they they can take from that and and move on in their life with it like knowing that thing that they've learned however if you're like say a fine artist or a musician or a writer who spent literally years and years honing your craft you're democratizing something that somebody else hasn't really earned like if you've spent like 50 years honing your craft as an artist and then somebody's like, oh, by the way, we're going to stick an AI in here and it's going to do your job in five minutes and it's going to make anybody who's can, you know, who wants to be able to do what you can do. That's it's not really democratizing. It's basically just steamrolling people who have worked their entire lives to be good at something and it's, just giving it to anyone who's, you know, got enough bucks to have it. Remember in like high school, college, like middle school, when you'd write an essay paper and then like your dipshit friend would be like, oh, let me just copy it and rearrange the words. That's basically what generative AI is. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just plagiarism. It's just it's just plagiarism, but we put a fancy name on it. So like academic research, yeah. professional place, perfectly fine. Schools where students are using it, no, because then you're not like using your brain. So that's not good. And you're not inventing. The artistic field, I don't think it can replace. It might be able to like write the next Marvel movie, but it's not going to write the next Oscar winner. 
that's like completely bold. It's not going to invent mm. a new style of filmmaking like the way Tarantino did or, or Spielberg or, or, or like yeah. all these great filmmakers in history or like these great novelists, you know. You're not going to have a new Hemingway come from AI. Yeah. And also, I mean, there is a lot of issue with a lot of movies where they kind of say they're derivative of other movies, you know, they're, they're pastiches of what's already come before. So in a way, AI is kind of that. It's it's making pastiche. It's not actually making anything new or anything unique. Because it, it can't. It's like, that's just the way AI is. People confuse what artificial intelligence in modern world is versus what like Terminator is. Terminator is like, AI is like actual intelligence. It's like a computer that can formulate and think about opinions itself. And it it's its own brain. Modern AI is just machine learning. It takes data. It interprets that data and forms a conclusion based on historical evidence, precedent, and data it currently has. It doesn't invent something. And it can only do something if you program it to do that certain test. Like, you're not going to have a chat GPT start killing humans. Because where would it get that conclusion, you know? It, it, it just responds to whatever yeah. you ask it to do. And even if you ask it to kill humans, all you have to do is put, like, a piece of code that says, if someone asks you to kill humans, don't do that. So... It, I don't think it's as scary as people think it's going to be. It is going to be shitty, though, because people are going to no. use it to cheat. Yeah, which is bad, obviously, because it's like if you're not actually... I mean, what you're doing is essentially outsourcing thinking. Like, that is kind of what you're doing with this. And it's... I don't think you should be outsourcing thinking. You should be thinking for yourself, because otherwise it's like... It It kind of makes me think of um, Wally with the people that, like, they didn't have to do anything for themselves anymore, so they kind of got you know, really sedentary and like didn't move and then didn't know how to move. And I think that's a little bit of like where we're heading. It's like, you don't actually have to think. And so people will stop thinking. I think there's it, it's a balance. Like there's certain places where you shouldn't have to think. And there's certain places where you should probably think more. Like driving, for example, if AI does automatic driving, that's amazing. I don't want to have to drive an hour in traffic. Mm. 40 something thousand people in the US die because of traffic related accidents. People drink and drive, people text and drive. If you can take all that away and just make that automatic, that's great. That's revolutionary. This is different, you know? The thing is, I I can agree. Yeah, I can completely agree with that because your commute to work and, and stuff isn't, like taking that away from you, taking away the control of that from you isn't going to make who you are as a person. Whereas like somebody's dream is to write the great American novel or something, isn't it? So like if you're outsourcing that, then what purpose does anyone have anymore? Like if you can't do things that are like transcendent things, then like, what's the point? Like I would argue that like outsourcing writing a novel is like not something that we ever needed. I don't think it'll ever get to that point. I think I think the fear will be that people will use AI to write a novel and pretend it's real. But those type of novels will never be groundbreaking or innovative, right? Like David Foster Wallace, mm -hmm. he, he changed like a lot of novel writing in the 90s. And like if you read his books, they don't follow proper grammar rules. They don't follow proper story structure. They're really random. They don't really have the beginning, middle, and end structure that we have. So like an AI, how would it write that? It'd be basing it off history, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, the stories typically follow this form. It couldn't invent something new. It couldn't write the way he did. It couldn't write those sentences. It couldn't have those opinions and thoughts about people in life. You know, it doesn't have those lived experiences. It's just going to write what people have written before and just regurgitate yeah. it over and over again. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Like, how is like um, an AI going to write about the experience of deal? Like, the, let's say somebody's being depressed because they think 
AI is going to replace their job, right? How is an AI going to write about that depressive feeling? Because it doesn't have the history of that happening and precedent, you know? Yeah. So like that person would have to write it first, then it based out of, then eventually it would learn from that and then write based off what it learned. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like it doesn't really, in my opinion, it doesn't really have any nuance. It's very like, I know this sounds stupid, but like fact based. It's not, it's not really like, I don't feel like it can show like appropriate emotionality. It almost talks about emotions in like a theoretical way rather than like an actually feeling it kind of way. It's a Which, computer. With great writing and great movies. Yeah, it's like, it's not getting to the depth of an emotion. Like it's it's very shallow in a sense. And I think that people would miss that. Like say, I mean, like, let me pose this question to you. Say like, you know, in 10 years time, a uh, publisher decides that they are actually just going to go fully AI and they're going to completely cut out authors. They're going to, you know, they're going to have a publisher, an editor and a proofreader and everyone else can go away, basically. They don't care. Would you expect them to have a little sort of disclaimer saying this is an AI work of art? Like, would you feel annoyed if they sold you a book and you found out it was written by an AI and they hadn't disclosed that? Because I feel like I would. I wouldn't want to read a book written by an AI. I would, yeah, I'd be mad. I think they should do that. I think there's a couple of solutions. There's like obviously that one you mentioned where you just label things AI written, non AI written, and like in certain places, like I wouldn't give a shit if somebody wrote a description for Water Bottle with AI or wrote a cookbook with AI. I mean, who cares, right? But if they wrote like a book with AI, I want to know that. Also, they could do like for the cheating aspect, like if a student uses their essay, maybe there's like a database that like aggregates all the AI written stuff that you can like proofread something against right like oh this kid submitted this essay towards me. oh yeah so it's like a plagiarism machine yeah that that was actually a really good idea yeah that way like if somebody does cheat you could just compare it against them and then you'd be like hey kid you yeah you'll be literally like putting it through a plagiarism prison program because that's that's what it does it searches for the same thing and then tells you what percentage of it is plagiarized basically but like if you had an ai machine but then i suppose how much we'd have to change it to trick the plagiarism machine because that's already a thing so you could like get an ai written thing and then rewrite it if you're gonna do that you're just writing it. so you're just making it more work for yourself at that well point. yeah that's true that is true although it could be that like it's basically writing like because like say you were like you know that you had like um what's that uh, what's the thing that you can't read very well dyslexia dyslexia that's it um if say if you're dyslexic is this like a good tool for somebody who's dyslexic would there be some sort of like hey you can use an ai to write like the structure of your art your essay and then you you have to like change it enough or something or like would that be okay or would that not be okay well that's not how dyslexia works dyslexia is like a reading thing it's not a comprehension thing you can comprehend and write and articulate whatever yeah. you want to say it's more like i have trouble reading and people with dyslexia, they have like special glasses they can use that can help them read. They have certain filters yeah. they can put on their phones and stuff so they can read better. You can actually get like surgery to help your dyslexia. There's like, dyslexia is more of like a phenomenon with the eyes than it is with the brain, you know? So I don't think it'll replace that. But other, like maybe like for people who are like lower intelligence, for lack of a better word, they could use it. But thing is, though, then is that fair on the kids who are actually using their own intelligence? Because I'm all for helping people who are less intelligent, but surely you should be like helping them get there with their own skills, like not just giving them like a leg up. It's not anybody else's fault that they're lower intelligence. I mean, I know this like sort of sort 
you know, certain factors that like do you know change people's intelligence or like their access to education but again that is their access to education that's not their innate intelligence i don't think students should use it but let's say like you have an immigrant who comes to this country in their 20s and they don't have the proper they don't have proper english but they're, they're very intelligent they just don't know how to translate that into english and they need to write an email to their mm -hmm. boss explaining like x y and z what whatever report they can use that you know i think that'd be a great use case like somebody who doesn't have they have the intelligence but they don't have that literacy in that language to be able the to language write. skill yeah so in that use case it's good but like students shouldn't use it yeah absolutely like so i don't think we should be outsourcing creativity at all like i know i know if you're like a, a solopreneur or something and you are you know you're desperately trying to start your own blog or you're start, trying to start your own website and you don't really have the time to do it and you you outs or the money either and to outsource that kind of thing so you use an ai to sort of like help you along you are still kind of editing and checking all the stuff that comes out of it so you are doing some of the work and you're using it basically as a productivity tool do you think that's okay or do you think that is taking jobs away from people who are you know copywriters marketers people who actually would be paid to do that job do you think it's fair for people in that circumstance to use it or do you think none of it's okay like if if like big big boy conglomerate can't use it then should joe you know i'm just starting my own business be allowed to use it i think anybody can use it i think you shouldn't use it on the artistic field at all because that's something you can't you can't replicate human emotion with a computer it's just not right and you'll always be able to tell too yeah. it'll seem formulaic it'll seem robotic it won't be genuine it won't be fresh it won't be new you won't yeah. write the next you'll never write the next great american novel you write a decent novel but it won't be the innovative you know what i mean yeah i think in the professional field it's fine and also yeah, absolutely. Like if you are if you are outsourcing creativity, then you're basically just doing it for money. And if you're just doing it for money, then you're not really a creative. Like that's not really what art is. Art isn't about money. Art is about expression. It's about suffering. Like all artists struggle, you know? They suffer to make their art, yeah. whether the whatever the consequence. And you're never going to be able to replicate that with a computer. You might be able to trick a few people here and there. But I think people are smarter than that and they'll be able to tell this was this is a robot wrote it. You know, people complain about like yeah. blockbuster movies being robotic and boring already. And they're written by people. Imagine it being written by a computer and people are like, yeah. oh, this is stupid. You know, I think in a professional setting, it's fine. Copywriting will probably die. I think you'll still have marketers because you still need somebody to come up with the idea of like, I want to market this in a weird way. Maybe somebody can write the script a yeah. little bit. And I think like marketing probably won't fully be replaced because there is a creative side to marketing, right? Like, how do I market an iPhone? Maybe I make a lifestyle commercial and if you don't have any history of a lifestyle commercial ever made, you can't really do that. So you'll still need marketing people. You might, you'll probably still need copywriters. You probably just won't need them as much. So like, yeah, it'll just it'll be become like a, a lot more competitive. Team. It'll be smaller and it'll become a yeah. lot more Which it already is competitive. So it's going to be horrendous for people. Like more people than ever want to be freelance writers. And it's just like a knife to the heart. You're like, oh God, like, like, my dream of being a writer is getting smaller and smaller. Like when I heard that all these generative AI things had come out, I genuinely woke up in a cold sweat because I was like, my long-term goal is to be an author. And it's like, I feel like that dream is just getting ripped away from me by this. And I know that's probably alarmist because like the technology is nowhere near that. 
you know, we can't guarantee that publishers are going to want to take AI stuff. You know, like the publishing industry so far seems to be quite against AI as being like a use in the publishing industry. But when it comes down to the bottom line, if you're working with a publisher who really only cares about money, they don't care about books, they care about money. You know, does that mean that that career path's dead? Or does that mean that it's very, it's going to become even more limited? I think it's just going to become harder. And people are going to have to be even more creative than they were before. But like, if you think about yeah. it, like, like my, again, my, the movie I brought up last year, The Banshee of Entry. If you told an AI to write a movie about that, it wouldn't be able to. Because what's that movie about? It's about two No, two, definitely not. Because it's two friends. One of the friends doesn't like each other. It's a very complex human relationship. It's not really been shown before. How the fuck is an AI going to know about that? If you tell an AI to write about a book about friendship yeah. or a movie about friendship, it's just going to be formulaic people all they had a struggle then they got back together you won't have a guy cut off his finger and throw it at someone's door you will never have an ai right yeah it just won't, oh you killed my little donkey yeah again <laughs> Sorry, like, that bit absolutely killed me <laughs> it just won't be able to do that that movie was so bizarre yeah absolutely no it wouldn't no which i agree with and that that does make me as a writer feel a bit better but like obviously like copywriting is a lot of people's bread and butter as writers so it's kind of i suppose in a, good, in a lot of ways it will be good but it's it, also gonna like yeah i don't know i, I think the future has like I, i'm optimistic i think the future can be bright like if all these productivity things come in i think it'll, it'll open an area where more artists can explore the artistic side, assuming like the world doesn't just isn't. If it wasn't so profit motivated, artists would be able to like explore their artistry a bit more, and people would be able to do that. But we'll mm. see. I think copywriting will probably go away. I think research papers and stuff. I think that'll help them. I think it's a good thing for them, because a scientist is not a writer. You know what I mean? So if a scientist has a research paper about yeah, absolutely anything that like a study about like human relationships or something. They're just not a writer. They're not going to be able to articulate that nearly as well as like an AI would be able to in the coherence that an AI can do. Yeah. Because one that's one good thing about an AI. It's very coherent. It has really good grammar and it's easy to read. Yeah. And it's very fast. Yeah. And it's very fast. <laughs> so Talking I of AI, I think maybe we should test out an AI. Sure. See, see how that that whole thing works, and whether or not it's like, you know, a good thing. All right. What question do you want to ask? Him? So you've you, you you've already. Oh, okay. You've already got it open. Okay, cool. Let's write a story about an elephant. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. A penguin. And a... doing what? With okay. Doing what? dancing in the moonlight. <laughs> dancing in the dancing moonlight. Dancing in the moonlight. But. Let's make let's make it more interesting. They are not in love, cause that'd be cliche. Let's see if it can. Oh, happen. okay, yeah, okay, okay. All right, go. All right, let's see. He's generating, generating. This shit's getting long. Okay, uh, it's like five paragraphs. All right, do you want to read it? <laughs> oh my god, that is long. That was so quick. Um, yeah, I can read it. Okay. Once upon a time, there was an elephant named Ellie. That's original. Um, who loved to dance, she would sway her trunk to the beat of the drums and stomp her feet in time with the music. One night, as she was dancing under the bright moonlight, she noticed a penguin waddling towards her. The penguin's name was Pete. 
and he had never seen an elephant dance before, he was amazed by Ellie's graceful moves and asked if she would teach him how to dance like her. Ellie agreed and showed Pete how to move his wings and feet to the rhythm. As they danced together, Ellie and Pete realised they made an unlikely but perfect dance duo. Their styles were different, but they complemented each other in a way that made their performance beautiful to watch. Despite being from different worlds and not being in love, <laughs> Ellie and Pete found a special connection through their shared love of dance. They continue to dance together under the moonlight, bringing joy and entertainment to all who watched them. I mean, it's not terrible. It's terrible. But it's a bit like, I mean, it's coherent. But it's the fact that like the elephant's name is Ellie and the penguin's name is Pete and that they're not in love. Like, show don't tell, man. Again, I think this highlights the example I was making before, like about the movie. I said they are not in love, right? Like that specific line. And this whole thing, it talks about these, they're in love, it's very cliche, it's flowery. And they just adds one line, not being in love. It couldn't handle the nuance yeah. of like two people dancing in the moonlight, not being in love, right? Like there's a lot of reasons somebody could dance in the moonlight, not be in love. Maybe they hate each other. Maybe they're yeah. going through a divorce and this is the last time they're dancing and they're trying to relive the memory of how they met each other. You know, there's a lot of... I can, like, invent a lot of scenarios around that. This thing, it just wrote a fucking line. To yeah. Being in love. So it's not sophisticated. Maybe so in the future. basically... Yeah, not sophisticated and basically, like, almost like a modular story, which I guess it is. It's, like, bashing things together. But it's this idea of a modular story and the fact that it can't really handle nuance. So... Reading that makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> there's, there's like no humanity. There's no depth. There's nothing, you know? It's just so formulaic yeah. and boring. It's a children's story, which is fine. But adding one line yeah. not being in love and like... Like somebody, when somebody says they are not in love, there's so much to explore there. Other than just writing half a fucking sentence. But thing is though, do you feel like if if you remove that line, it would kind of imply that anyway? No, because they're dancing and they said they are unlikely duo, but they complement each other in ways to make a beautiful performance. If I read that and I didn't have that oh, not being in yeah, love line, I guess you would, yeah. If I didn't have I that not being, love, yeah. if I didn't have that not being in love line, I think these this elephant and this penguin they're down to fuck and they're gonna make some weird babies. I think that's what would happen. <laughs> weird babies. <laughs> okay, yeah, I have to agree with that. All right, let's try another one. Uh, all right, you come up with the prompt this time. Um, okay. Write a parody of Marvel Spider-Man. All right, let me see. Uh, okay, there goes. All right, this is going to go on forever. I'm just going to stop it here. All right, <laughs> I can read this one. Once upon a time in the bustling city of New York, there was a superhero named Spider-Man. Not very creative so far. But this wasn't your typical nice. Spider-Man. This was a parody version where everything was just a <laughs> bit dot, dot, dot off. Again, very, it just copy-pasted everything I said. All right. Then it says, for yeah. starters. It's got the dry. It's dry. Sorry, I was just going to say, it's got like the dry tone of it. Yeah. But like, if you're going to write anyway, a parody, you don't, you, don't, you don't preface a parody by saying this is a parody. You let it be known it's a parody because it, <laughs> like, it's going to be it, it, that's just my gratitude. Anyway, for starters, instead of Peter Parker being bitten by a radioactive spider, it was his Uncle Ben who was bitten. All right, that's pretty funny. And instead of giving him spider-like <laughs> abilities, it just made him really good at gardening. All right, that's pretty funny. 
So Uncle <laughs> Ben, funny. yeah, like that. So Uncle Ben, now dubbed Gardener Ben, decided to put his newfound <gasps> skills to the use and became a superhero. But instead of fighting crime, he just went around the city planting flowers and trimming hedges. Hey, look, it's the Lord's work. Let Uncle Ben do what Uncle Ben does. As for his costume, <laughs> Gardener Ben didn't have the iconic red and blue spandex suit. Instead, he wore a pair of overalls and a straw hat with a trowel and a watering can as his weapon of choice. It's not as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> no, it is funny. But thing is, though, it does follow... Again, it's a very formulaic storyline. So it's like, it was just... It was just a bit off. It just made him really good at gardening. It was just him planting flowers and hedges. Like, it's following the same sort of sentence structure. So it's like almost set up joke, set up, like, punchline, set up punchline. But all, all parodies aren't written like that, are they? They're just silly. No. They Like, I think it's it's taking that kind of rhythm of, like, a joke sentence and just, like, copy and pasting it. So, again, it, like, lacks the nuance. Like, it's funny and it's entertaining, but it lacks the nuance. I think it took the basic parody idea of, like, take what is existing spin it on his head, and then just do that, right? And so that's very easy for a computer to understand. Yeah. Spider-Man, let's replace Spider-Man with something else. Maybe it's like Caterpillar Man, and he, instead of doing Spider-Man things, he does gardening, whatever, you know? So that's pretty easy for it to do. But I don't think it would be able to do absurdist humor or like a, absurdist parody Mm-mm. type stuff because that's just so random and out there. Like Tim and Eric or any, something like that. It would never be able to make a Tim and Eric mm. type show. It, it just it, no. Tim and Eric's fucking weird, man. They're so weird. Have you ever seen Tim and Eric? No, I haven't. But it's it kind of giving me the vibes of like Ren and Stimpy or like, can yeah. you imagine trying to get an AI to write It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> that would never work. It would be horrendous. Because it just sometimes shows just so And I random. think they never, you know. Yeah, exactly. They would never think of having Danny DeVito born from a couch. <laughs> yeah. Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> It just wouldn't be able to because it's like, it's just what the fuck is going on. Sometimes you watch a show or read a book. It's like, it's fucking weird. It's so weird. Yeah. You're like, what did I just read? What was that? <laughs> Those are my favorite types of books. You know, those are my favorite movies. Like you've seen yeah. Lars and the Real Girl. You've seen Lars and the Real Girl. It would never be able to write Lars yeah, and the Yeah, it's my movie. favorite movie. Yeah. It's no, definitely not. Would. Oh, that's such a good movie. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You that makes me feel a lot one? better. Like nothing unique would ever be made. Okay. Yeah. What You do this one. Um, Let's ask it a question, like an existential question. All right. Will the world end with humans' negligence? As an AI language model, I cannot predict the future or make absolute statements, but human negligence can have significant and potentially disastrous consequence on the world and its inhabitants. No shit. (laughs) Human activities such as pollution, deforestation, and climate change can have long-lasting and severe impacts. I think we just pissed off conservatives. (laughs) Hey, it's if it's coming from the 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 mouth of a chat GPT, then it must be true. We, it can't lie, or at least it can't deliberately lie. It wouldn't know it's lying. But yeah, I mean, so I guess it. Can't yeah, I mean, it's just it's effect. based on bias, isn't it? See, that that's the thing I was saying. This isn't like AI, like Terminator, where it can formulate an opinion. It can't formulate an opinion. It can just draw conclusions based on historical precedent, like a robot. If X happens, then B, then Z will happen. Not, not. It can't be like, oh, I started to fall in love with a person. It just can't do that. It can maybe like mimic how people's responses in love. You've seen the movie Her, right? 
Yeah. That could yeah, never happen. The, the, the AI becomes sentience. Well, you, you never say never. Not in never the foreseeable never. or immediate future or predictable future. future. Yeah, probably not in our lifetime will there be actual AI. But um, what if like... I don't know. Let's try one where it's like writing about somebody who's a real person. Like, can it do that? Write about Ben Kingsley and his performance of Gandhi. <laughs> it is regurgitating Sir Ben Kingsley's portrayal of Mahatma Gandhi in 1982's biographical film Gandhi is widely regarded as one of the most iconic and powerful performances in film history also rate most races Kingsley who had previously appeared in several British television shows and had small film roles was relatively unknown before his transformation into the iconic leader of India's independence movement Kingsley's performance in Gandhi was a masterclass in acting and he was able to capture the essence of Gandhi's character and convey his unwavering commitment to non-violent resistance in the face of oppression. This is just regurgitating some critics' I... review from before. It's not really... Well, yeah, I mean, like, it could very convincingly write Wikipedia, couldn't it? Like, Yeah, it could write Wikipedia. But look, again, like, it didn't really formulate an opinion. Because I, I, I like Ben Kingley as Gandhi. But he's also a white guy playing an Indian guy, which is fucked up in a lot of ways. He's not white, is he? I thought he was... I thought Ben Kingsley was part Indian. His name is Ben. Yeah, but I don't. I think I think his mum might be Indian or something. I'm not. I'm always sure he's at least part his Indian. His mother Anna was an English actress. Kung was born Pandit Was born Krishna Pandit Banji. Yeah, he must his be. Mother. So Ben Kingsley, he probably just used as like oh. his acting name. Oh, he was. He is partially Indian. Oh, fuck. Never mind. Yeah, I don't hate him as much as I thought I did. <laughs> All right, that's my ignorance talk. How do you hate Ben Kingsley? He's awesome. I don't hate Ben Kingsley. He's good. I, I like hated, Ben Kingsley. He's, I hated the fact he's that he's a lot a of fun. He's a. I didn't like a white guy playing a brown dude. But they did tan the motherfucker. Like, yeah, but know. I mean, he's. Yeah, they, I mean, they did tan him up a bit. Like, it, it, it probably wouldn't fly today. Like, they'd probably expect him to be fully Indian today but this was made in the 90s so like it's pretty progressive for the 90s <laughs> it's, it's not like, friggin lawrence of arabia like that was absolutely terrible like that's clearly not a, an arab <laughs> that was <laughs> bad, so but, ridiculous or like oh, Elizabeth, that's hilarious or like cleopatra or what was her name elizabeth Hurley? cleopatra actually though cleopatra was greco-roman so she wouldn't have been middle east and she would have looked like a greek so she would have been mediterranean that's true that's fair that's fair. So that's anyway. We're getting very off topic here. So I think we've we've had a nice play with ChatGPT. So what are our what are the final thoughts that we have about generative AI? Like, how do we feel about it? Do we think it's a good thing? Do we think it's a bad thing? I think my opening thoughts, where I said you should be scared, is probably wrong. You should not be scared. You'll be fine. You should just be a little worried. <laughs> just depends on your industry, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I still am quite afraid of it. Like, I think it does have good applications and I can see why people like it and why people want it. But I also think from like an ex existential point of view, it's a bit of a sticky wicket. It's kind of like, does, does it need to be, do we need to be outsourcing our own thoughts and creativity? I feel like that's a little bit too far. I don't think that's something that was necessary in my opinion, but. I think, I think you could divide the artistic with the academic slash professional. 
Yeah. And students shouldn't just never. Yeah, I think professional. And students should yeah. never use it. So, like, from an no, education perspective, use it. artistic and education, no. Professional academic is fine. You know, research papers, articles about your data, whatever. Emails you want to write. It's, all that stuff's fine. Industry papers, who cares? Like, music, books, novels, film, no. Student essays, don't do that. If a kid is using that, like, that's plagiarism. Is that plagiarism? Would that technically be considered plagiarism? Maybe not, right? I don't think it's technically plagiarism because plagiarism is copying something verbatim from another source. So like, I don't think it's technically are. plagiarism, but it's not It's not good because you're not doing the work yourself. Like that is that is the issue there. Like plagiarism is, is a double whammy of you're stealing somebody else's ideas and you're also not doing the work yourself. But like, this is just you not doing the work yourself. So I think it's, it is still cheating. Like it's not... It's not technically plagiarism, but it's still cheating. Yeah, I guess. Just don't do it. So that's my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely okay. don't do it. So for me, it's mm. half mixed, half bad. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely a mix. I'm 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 reserving judgment until I know more information. I think that's where I land on that. All right. Okay. Um, I think that's all we've got time for. Oh, do we say that? Well, so we made nonsense make sense for you. Do we say we made nonsense make sense for you? <laughs> you, you say that. You do that. Okay, so we'll, we'll break for five seconds and then you say that. All right, so that was us making nonsense make sense for you. You're welcome. We, we humbly accept <laughs> You're welcome, all yeah. the gratitude. <laughs> all right, okay. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time. Bye. Even if you didn't, you can watch again next time. You never know. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>